The text words for this evening are found, brethren, in the scripture reading, Exodus 28, the 29th verse. Exodus 28, verse 29. There we read the word of God and the words of our text. And Aaron shall bear the names of the children of Israel in the breastplate of judgment upon his heart, when he goeth into the holy place for a memorial before the Lord continually. Thus far, we write under the text words, the high priest. And we want with God's help to direct your attention to four thoughts. In the first thought, we want to pay attention to his appearance. What does that high price look like? How is he dressed? Why is he dressed like that? In our second thought, we want to notice his breastplate, which he wears over top of the ephod on his heart. In the third thought, we consider the precious stones attached to that breastplate. What are those precious stones. What do they point to in the ceremonial worship? And in the fourth thought, its work is work. So congregation, the high priest, his experience, two, his breastplate, three, the precious stones, and four, his job. Brethren, I want to start this evening by asking a question. And young people, boys and girls, children, I ask that question of you also. What are our clothes actually for? Are they looking, are they to look nice? Are they to show off? Is that perhaps boy and girls too figuratively speaking dazzle other people's eyes with designer clothes? No, of course not, you know that. No, our clothes are primarily intended to cover our shame. We also read about that in Genesis 3, when Adam and Eve ate of the forbidden fruit in paradise and when they fell. Oh, then they both, their eyes were opened, and then we read, they shoot fig leaves together and made themselves a bronze when they saw that they were naked. So then they took fig tree leaves and tied them together to cover their shame when they saw that they were naked. Now it is still so today. Our clothes are meant to cover our shame. And yet, when we look at the people in church, we are all dressed differently. And indeed, we see neat clothing as the Lord intended. Fortunately, we people who dress very simply. Brother brethren, we sometimes see different things in this world where we see clothes that do not cover, but where revealing clothes are worn. And unfortunately, that is not always so only in the world. But it's sometimes also the case among us as church people. How about reverend? What difference does it make? Surely it doesn't matter what I wear as I go through life or whether I end up in heaven or not. And besides, I can certainly also look good and still by neatly dressed. Isn't that what the Lord asks of me too? That's true. Yes, brethren, that's true. It doesn't matter a first glance how we go through life dressed or whether we will get to heaven or not. And of course, you should go through life neatly dressed 
You don't have to be at the forefront of fashion, nor do you have to follow behind. But just be simply dressed going through life. And brethren, the Lord does tell us that in his word. And speaking of clothing, what did the high priest in the Old Testament look like? Shall we take a look at that? What do you think, boys and girls? Would it have mattered what the high priest looked like in terms of his clothing? Would it matter what he wore? Yes, it certainly mattered. Couldn't he just put on clothes according to his own taste and according to his own style? No, that high priest could not choose his own clothes. But the Lord, the God of heaven and earth, had very explicitly made known to Moses every part of his garments. And we read it also in the second verse. And thou shalt, shalt make holy garments for Aaron, thy brother for glory and for beauty. And do you know what the marginal notes say in marginal note 2? These are the garments of holiness, which he shall put on when he performs holy worship. Do you understand it, brethren? The Lord has told Moses explicitly how every part of that clothing should be made and what it should look like. The garments had to be holy because with them he had to serve in God's house. With them he had to serve in the tabernacle. They were to show, as it were, something of the holiness of God and the glory of God in Christ. Those garments were so important that we read in the third verse that they must be made by wise-hearted men. And then the Lord is going to stipulate very precisely for 43 verses how those clothes should be made. Can we learn something from that this evening? I think so, congregation. What can we learn then? Well, for example, that those who must and may serve in the office in God's house should also radiate something of the holiness of God. That office bearers, deacons, ministers and elders can also be seen that they are busy with very holy things. What things? Well, congregation, with God's holy name, with his holy word, with the expansion of his kingdom. Yes, that they are busy with very holy things with all human souls on their way on journey to eternity with souls who are entrusted to their care and souls who must soon meet God. And there are only two ways in life, to be able to live with the Lord forever and to serve and fear him, or to sing perish forever in eternity, eternal misery. Do you understand, brethren, that then also office bearers, when they are busy with such holy things, should live their lives honorably and be modestly dressed by the exercise their office? When they are serving in God's kingdom, in his holy dwelling? But also, as a churchgoer, as we are gathered here this evening, congregation, then it may be clear to us, or should it perhaps say that it should really be clear to us that we have gathered here this evening in the church a holy place. It is not 
just any building. This is God's holy habitation where the Lord wants to live and to work with his Holy Spirit. Where God's word says that the Lord wants to come and work powerfully with his spirit in the hearts of sinful people. Do you realize where you are this evening? In the place where the Lord himself is present in the garments of his word. May it be seen on us that we have gathered in a very holy place. May something of that reverence radiate from us, congregation, also in our lives. So the Lord gave all those regulations for the clothing of the high priest. And if I ask the children this evening, boys and girls, who was that high priest in the Old Testament? Can you give me an answer? Who was that high priest in the Old Testament? If you have read along, you will know. Right. That was Aaron. Now, if I ask you this evening, who was that high priest in the New Testament? What will your answer be then? Maybe you have to think for a moment. But... Yes, of course, that was our Lord Jesus Christ, the high priest from the New Testament. Now, if we see two high priests this evening, the high priest of the Old Testament, Aaron, and the high priest of the New Testament, the Lord Jesus Christ, then we also see differences and great differences. Yes, we also see differences in clothing. Look, there is Aaron, the Old Testament priest. He stands there with those beautiful clothes that the Lord has prescribed so precisely with all those beautiful colors and all that gold in full apparel. And then there is the Lord Jesus Christ, in all his simplicity. There's nothing of splendor at all. Oh yes, when Aaron appeared in full appeal in the tabernacle congregation, it was a beautiful sight. Then people became quiet when they saw him standing there. For he was such a beautiful work at mantle, called the effort. There were beautiful colors of gold, of heavenly blue, of purple, and of scarlet. Do you know what that effort was? Young people, do you know? Such an effort was actually a waistcoat, just as I wear this evening a waistcoat. A vest with two shoulder straps, with joined together at the shoulders. And then they were joined together with two onyx stones, precious stones. On one stone, there were engraved six names of the tribes of Israel. And on the other stone, the six other names of the tribes of Israel. Two gold boxes were then made around it, and that was carried by the high priest. And on the ephod, with the chief garment, there was the breastplate. So he wore the breastplate on that vest, on his heart. And we also see all kinds of precious stones on the breastplate. We see a stitched belt and on that long hanging rope, a kind of a long skirt. At the very bottom of that skirt, there were small pomegranates and small bells. And when that high price started walking, you heard the sound of that, those bells. And on his head, 
He wore a headdress, a kind of turban. It had a gold plate and written on it was holiness of the Lord. Congregation, when we see this high price, we are deeply impressed. And honestly, we wouldn't be surprised if there are those today also if they had to make a choice between the Old Testament high priest in his full apparel with all those beautiful colors and between the high priest Jesus Christ in all his simplicity, simplicity that also many this evening would choose the high priest of the Old Testament. Ah, Isaiah already said it. He had no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. And yet, that high price from the old, from the New Testament is so much greater than Aaron, the high price from the Old Testament. What Aaron outwardly symbolized was now inward reality with that high-priced Christ, Jesus. O congregation, man cannot live, live by appearance alone, not then and not now. And when Christ had appeared in the fullness of time, in the manger of Bethlehem, then all those ceremonial things had to fall away. They had to make way for the truth. The Old Testament points to those spiritual benefits which are to be found in Christ Jesus. Brethren, all the worship in the Old Testament, the ceremonial worship, they all point to Christ Jesus the Lord. Of all the clothes of the high priest, the breastplate was the most important garment. Our second thought. The breastplate portrays something very important. So he wore it over the ephod. And on that ephod were those two onyx stones with those two gold settings. And what did that breastplate look like? Now, brethren, it was made of the same material as the ephod. It was a piece of cloth about 10 by 8 inches. A span was its length and a span its breadth. But it was folded in half. So if you unfolded it, it would be 50 centimeters by 50 centimeters. But it is folded in half, and in it lie two stones, the Urim of the Tumen. Two precious stones by which the high priest had to ask for God's decree or answer in a court of law. And that is why verse 15 says, the breastplate of judgment. So, that breastplate was attached to the shoulder cloth, the ephod, and was made of the same material. But why was the high priest so important now? Let's take a good look. Do you see that high priest standing there in full apparel? If you have an explanatory Bible with you, you can see the picture. He stands there in full apparel, congregation, and then we see there on that breastplate four rows of precious stones. In the first row, we see a sedis, a topaz, and a carbuncle. In the second row, an emerald, a sapphire, and a diamond. And see, they are all a different shape and they are all a different color. One is big and another one is small. 
and what a lot of work has been done to get them onto that breastplate. In the third row, a hyacinth, an agate, and an amethyst. And in the th- fourth row, a turquoise, and a sardonyx, and a jasper. Now, brethren, those 12 tribes of Israel, those 12 stones of the breastplate of the high priest represent those 12 tribes of Israel. And each stone was engraved the name of one of the tribes of Israel. And then there were two gold rings on the top of that breastplate. Golden cords ran through it, with which the breastplate was attached to those two sardonic stones on the shoulders. And on the bottom of that breastplate, two gold rings with two sky-blue cords which were fastened just above the girdle. And so the high priest wore that breastplate with the twelve precious stones representing the twelve tribes of Israel with their names engraved on there. And listen carefully now. He wore them on his heart. And when he went into the holy place at regular intervals, then the people heard him walking because of the bells that hung on the bottom of his clothes as he brought all the names of Israel before God. Shall we read the text again? You may read it very differently now. And Aaron shall bear the names of the children of Israel in the breastplate of judgment upon his heart, when he goeth in unto the holy place for a memorial before the Lord continually. And we will come back to that last word that's very important, continually. Now, brethren, everything points to that high-priced Christ Jesus. Aaron was a type of the high-priced Christ. And so those 12 stones point to spiritual Israel. They point to God's children. And those 12 stones are scattered all over the world. They are gathered from all peoples and nations and tongues. They show a great variety in origin, in color, in size, in brilliance. And they agree in many things. Do you know what they all show, for example? They are all, everyone, without exception, precious jewels. They are all of great value. And at the same time, they are all different. They have a different brilliance, a different color. And isn't that also the case with God's church today? Aren't all God's children also precious gems that have been collected from this world by the high-priced Christ Jesus and are worn very close to him on his heart? Our third thought, yes, all precious jewels. And they shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, in that day when I make up my jewels. We read in Malachi 3, Congregation, what a miracle. But what a comfort to God's children, however small, however low they are, however different they may be, there was a precious stone on the breastplate of the high priest, and they form a very tight unity. They are all worn close to each other on the heart. They have all been sought out by God's grace 
through the working of God's Spirit. Yet, they never inquired after God themselves and never sought for God themselves, but the Lord has sought them out by his Spirit and his Word, drawing them out of the darkness. And he has attached them to his heart. They all know something of that life in knowledge of sin. All of them, not one expected, are guilt-stricken and are coming to nothing. They all know, church, that guilt of who they have been and who they still remain. Paul says it, wretched men that I am, but you know they also all radiate something of the glory of God in Christ. Now, people of God, not always in your own eyes, but they still radiate something. Yes, indeed, that can also be seen in their clothing, because then they walk very reverently into church on Sunday. Then it's God's holy habitation where the Lord speaks uh, to their souls where God's holy word is opened, where they may hear his voice. Congregation, you can hear, hear that in their talk. They begin to speak with so much reverence about who the Lord now wants to be for a deeply sinful man and who Christ Jesus the Lord has become for them. in their unworthiness and in their deep experience and recognition recognition of sin, they have to bow before God's holy face. Then you can see that in their life. It's revealed in their whole life. Do you know what else they have in common congregation? All of them, not one expected, have a relationship with the Savior, Christ Jesus. That one name given under heaven by which we must and can be saved. They can't and don't want to live without him ever again and him crucified. And look, they all bow down in deep humility in the dust at his blessed feet. They all professed one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. They are all as precious jewels in God's eyes, and they are all carried on the heart of that mediator between God and man, Jesus Christ the Lord. And yet, congregation, there are also differences among God's church. Just look, there we see a Martha who shines in a zeal for her work. And there we see a Mary who shines in humility. And there we see an impulsive Peter and a loving John. And one becomes an apostle and another becomes to prophet. And one is called for mission work and other one to evangelization or to teaching. And these ones are at home in the family or on a committee on you name, on you name it. And they differ in characters. One is thoughtful and the other very sociable. And the next one is more practical and one is sensitive and you name it, all differ in orange, in color, in form, in splendor, in the leading that the Lord goes with them. So it is this evening with God's children. They are all different. And yet, at the same time, brethren, they have so many things that they have in common.
but most importantly, they are precious like jewels. And God in heaven on high now looks down on them, on every precious stone, and they are all precious in his sight, and he carries them on his heart from eternity. No, not for what they are in themselves, but for what he made of them by free grace. Our church, they are so precious to him because he has given them himself. Do you know why they are so dear to him? Because he himself made them from dead stones to living stones by his mediatorship. Because he received them from his father as a reward for his blessed mediatorship. And that is why every stone, every child of God is so subservient to him. Yes, that is how it is with those newly born again souls who don't even how to give themselves a name yet. But where God's name, his service and his word have become worth everything to them. They dare not count themselves among God's children. That is with the exercise church, where that dear Savior has been revealed to them, and where they have found life outside of themselves in him. Brethren, that is with that confirmed church, who may know that they are incorporated into Christ, but where it can still be to so stormy inside, all known expected, uniquely radiates something of the glory of Christ, and they also live very close to each other. A mutual spiritual bond has grown between God's children. They recognize each other in so many things. That comes naturally. Yes, even if they differ in knowledge and status, they still feel that they are one. Do you understand, congregation, that these are not people who look down on others, on where one person exalts himself above the other because he has no being able to learn more from the Lord? No, they are drawn to each other. Just look to the high priest. Do you see standing him? Do you see him standing there with that long rope, those bells and the pomegranates, the effort, the onyx stones, the gold settings, the breastplate with the twelve, twelve precious stones attached to it? See them so very close together, carried on his heart. Now, brethren, all God's children are gathered there now on the heart of the high priest. He gathers them from all places and brings them all together in his mediator's heart. Where Christ is, his church is also and they recognize each other by the brilliance. And whether that is from the city of whether that is from the city of Chilliwack, whether that is on the mission fields or at the Evangelations Post of, or at the Pierce Church in Jordan congregation, then there is recognition. And that is heard and felt and tasted and it is seen. And take another good look at those jewels. See, engraved on there are the names of those twelve tribes, the names of his children. Now, brethren, so all the names of God's children are written not written in ink, 
but engraved indelibly in that Lamb's Book of Life. Isn't that an encouragement, children of God? If you may know that you have been picked up and attached to the breastplate, no one will ever pluck them out of my hand. But brethren, and I must say this to my shame, but those precious stones, those children of God, make it so that every day that high-priced shell that breastplate with those precious stones from his breast. And he shall cause them to the the pathway forever in eternal night and in outer darkness with all their sins and with all their faults and with all their iniquities. But he doesn't. He does not and he will never abandon with his divine hand has begun. He carries them on his heart forever and he cares for them and through it all they will be preserved by God's grace. And thought they fall, and though they stumble, yet he will raise them up again. Those who have a broken heart and a sorrowful heart, and then, brother, they will say with the prodigal son, I will arise and go to my father, and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. Now look at that breastplate again. How is it attached to the ephod again? Boys and girls, have you been listening carefully? Do you remember? How is the breastplate attached to the aphid? Indeed, with those two gold cords, fastened with those two gold settings, those two sardonic stones and those two sky blue cords just above the belt. May I put it this way, brethren. God's children are chained, chained to the mediator with cords of love, with cords of loving kindness, with cords of that eternal election. No one will ever be able to pluck them from my hand. I will never let go of what my divine hand has begun. And listen, here's another lesson. When that high-priced church, high-priced that church went, went into the sanctuary at certain times in the Old Testament, he presented there before the Lord the names of the tribes of Israel which he bore on his heart. And he did that. Here comes that little word, Continually, every time. Well then, look at that high price of the New Testament. Christ Jesus the Lord, who now sits at the right hand of the Father, who is always there before his Father's face and who bears the names of his children, and who continually presents them to his father. He does this with his intercession, and he prays for them continually, even if they can no longer pray, even if they have no more prayers to pray, if they have grown old and their thoughts can no longer form a prayer. Congregation, what a wonderful image there is in that ceremonial worship. The breastplate that is worn on the aphid and the precious stones attached to it. The golden 
and the sky blue coats with which it is tied. The names engraved thereon and fastened with cords of loving kindness. And he stands there continually before his father. Are you such a stone now? And you? And you, boys and girls, are you such a stone now? Can you also know that you are such a precious stone worn at the breastplate inscribed with your name? Have you been made precious by that quickening work of grace in the sight of God? Because that is what it will be all about, congregation, that we may know that we are a child of God to be sought out, to be carried by grace to the mediator's heart of Christ and to be attached to him in order to be eternally with the Lord, to serve and fear him forever. Yes, whether that work is also glorified in our hearts, our fourth thought, the high price, four thoughts, his appearance, his breastplate, his precious stones, and in the fourth fourth, his work. Congregation, in our mind we see him standing there in that long flowing rope with those little pomegranates and those bells at the bottom of his rope. The aphid, which is made of gold, of purple, of scarlet, of fine woven linen. A most artistic work. The two sardonic stones. The two gold crazes attached to him. The breastplate with the twelve precious stones representing the twelve tribes representing God's children. The headdress, a kind of turban, with holiness to the Lord written on it. Congregation, are we also carried on that mediator's heart? May we know that we as dead stone have become a living stone. May we know that we are engraved, that we are bound to that mediator between God and men. May I ask this of you this evening? Are there any of those people here in the congregation of Chilliwack today who know what they are missing in Christ, but what cannot be missed? Are there people now congregation who, as it were, look to that high price with his breastplate, with those twelve precious stones which shine there and are carried on the heart of the mediator? Those who are drawn to it with a holy jealously and who now pray and cry and beg to be allowed to become such a precious stone now also? But I have to say, could that be possible for me too? For when I look at myself, I am as filthy and as black and as the tents of Kedar. Yes, I am leprous all over from the top of my head to the sole of my foot. Oh, those people congregation, they do not shine in their own eyes. But at the same time, they have begun to search for that one comfort, both in life and in death. And they have learned to say with David, one thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Lord, could it still be possible for me? Yes, 
they are looking for that mediator. Oh, give me Jesus or I die. Do you know, brethren, that those are people who cannot be comforted by the fact that their names are already engraved in the new birth, although it is true, and that they are people who cannot be comforted by the fact that they are already attached to the breastplate in that first quickening work of grace. Although it is true from God's point of view, but they cannot do it by themselves. Do you know what those people are looking for? And maybe that is you. They are looking forward to the application. They are looking forward to hearing it for themselves from his mouth. No, then it's not about what an office bearer says or what a minister says or what God's children think about it, but that I may now hear it for myself from his mouth. They look forward to the revelation of Christ, to now be able to find life in him who is life. And do you know what still needs to be done? Well, brethren, then everything must be broken down and cut off which is not of God and which is not of Christ. Just like a diamond, boys and girls, it's a mind in nature, it is still dull, and then it needs to be polished so that it may shine. Well, so it is also with God's child, with those born-again souls who first search in themselves. They search in themselves and in their own abilities. Then they must be ground down, made small so they may shine. And what a miracle if that may happen. But you know, Christ Jesus the Lord, the Son of God, has come to this cursed world, so put off his glory, and to fashion black, filthy sinners into jewels precious in the sight of God. Yes, brethren, he has come, O miracle of grace, to reconcile enemies to God not to call the righteousness, but sinners to repentance. Is that where you stand in the back of the temple this evening with the tax collector? Is that your life beating upon your breast? O oh God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Is this then your life, that crying, that praying, and that beseeching? O Lord, be merciful to me, be merciful to me. Is it your life that you may say, Lord, I'm not worthy that you shouldn't come under my roof, for I have done that which was evil in thy holy sight. Do you know what the Lord will say then? This is my chosen vessel. Now this is such a precious stone. No congregation, they do not say that about themselves, but that is what God says. Those are the oppressed owns. Those are they touched with tempest. Those who are not comforted. And what a wonder if they may then hear his voice. Behold, here I am. Behold, here I am. I am thy salvation. And how is that possible? Only because Christ has come. Because that surety wanted to go that way from heaven to this earth, to the menu of Bethlehem. Because he traveled from Bethlehem to Calvary and they poured out his soul in death. That he might lay their stones in all fair colors. Brethren, what an eternal miracle.
and he knows them all by name, wherever they come from, and it's the Holy Spirit who is going to proclaim, proclaim the beauty of that high priest. And if those poor in spirit congregation are allowed to look unto him, then they cannot believe their happiness. Then they start to dance with joy. Then they won't need to look at that breastplate anymore. Then they won't need to see those precious stones anymore. Or look with envy at God's children. But then they may look to the wearer of the breastplate, Christ Jesus, the Lord himself. And then he may shine like that pearl of great price. Then all those little pearls must be surrendered, so that that great pearl may remain in their lives. And then they will say, and have you ever said it? Away world, away treasures. You cannot comprehend it how rich that I am. I have lost everything, but I have chosen Jesus, whose own lamb. And then to see no one else but Jesus alone. And then to be brought so close to the mediator to feel, as it were, his heartbeat, to feel, to taste, and to savor the fellowship with Christ. O beloved, then it will shine. And then the shine of the world fades away. Then he becomes so precious, and then he becomes so lovable. Then whatever happens, they will still hope in the Lord. And you know, he doesn't leave his people in endless sorrow. Oh, he himself is that pearl of great price. But he is also that advocate with the Father. May that comfort you now, children of God, that he is always there before his Father. He is always there with his sacrifice and with his intercession. And soon, a little while longer, then he will say, Holy Father, I and those whom thou hast given me, and not one of them will be lost. Will you be one of them? Amen.